Well, this week we're beginning a new sermon series that's called Ready or Not. And it's all about change and how we can navigate our way through change in ways that are healthy and holy and honoring to God. Now, let's face it. We all had a, a lot of different reactions to change, don't we? I mean, some of us fight change tooth and nail. We don't like it, we fight it, and we try and stop it from happening if we can. But some of us like change. We welcome it. It keeps life interesting. We may even seek it out. Sometimes change comes upon us suddenly, like a punch in the gut, suddenly out of the blue, like when the phone rings and you get a dreaded phone call from your doctor's office with a diagnosis that you were not expecting. Or when that knock on the door comes at two o'clock in the morning and as you stumble downstairs and groggily open the door, you see two police officers standing on your front porch. One thing is certain though, change happens. I mean, ready or not, change happens the only certain thing in life is change the only constant in life is change and when change comes it will bring about both opportunities and it could also bring about danger so in this sermon series we're going to learn how to not only survive when change comes to our life but more importantly, how to even thrive during the changes and the transitions in life that will certainly come our way. You know, change is constantly happening all around us. There's not a one of us that can avoid it. Sometimes change happens so slowly, so incrementally that we barely notice it even happening. Think about that classic example of boiling a frog alive. I mean, if you put a frog into a pan of water that is boiling already, it screams and it tries to jump out of the pan if it can. But if you place it in a pan of cold water and turn the heat on, the frog doesn't even notice the water getting hotter and hotter and hotter until it begins to boil. Or think about this, for millennia, the speed at which people could travel barely changed. I mean, for centuries, for millennium, people could walk about four or five miles an hour. Or they could ride on horseback, maybe up to 20 miles an hour. And then, in the early 1800s, Train travel became more commonplace, and suddenly, the speed at which a person could travel jumped to like a hundred miles per hour. And in just another hundred years after that, the first passenger jet airplanes carried people at 500 miles per hour. And only about 25 years after that, the Concorde traveled across the ocean at 1,200 miles per hour between Europe and America. And so a trip that used to take one of those rickety old ships like Christopher Columbus sailed that I would never have gotten on, <laughs> a trip that used to take a month or more, now was accomplished in just a matter of hours. 
And of course, today, astronauts circle the globe at astronomical speeds of 16,000 miles per hour. Now, of course, we look at that kind of change today, and we love it. I mean, it's great to get from here to there quickly, but it hasn't always been that way. In 1829, President Andrew Jackson received a letter at the White House from Martin Van Buren, who was the governor of New York at the time. And he wrote, he said, as you may know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled at the enormous speed of 15 miles per hour by engines in addition, which in addition to endangering life and limb of passengers, roar and snort their way through the countryside, setting fire to crops, scaring the livestock, and frightening women and children. Almighty God certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speeds. <laughs> and of course, where would we be today if the Wright brothers had listened to all those people who said that if God intended for man to fly, he would have given us wings? Yes, change is inevitable, and it will keep right on happening right up until the end of time. And scripture is full of stories of God's people going through change, some handling it well, and some not so well. In fact, it seems that God has woven change into the very fabric of his creation. Change is a part of God's design for the world. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us that life is full of seasons, that seasons are always changing, and in time, God makes everything beautiful. Let's take a listen to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. 
God does it so that people will fear him. Now we know that the book of Ecclesiastes is one of the wisdom books of literature found in the Bible. King Solomon prayed and asked God to give him wisdom, and he is often described as one of the wisest men who ever lived. He most likely wrote the book of Ecclesiastes near the end of his life, at a time when he was reflecting back on things that he had learned, on the things that God had taught him during his lifetime. And one of the things King Solomon has learned is that there is a time for everything and a season for everything under heaven. He's learned that there are cycles in life and that there are parts for us to play in every season. All of the first eight verses have a time and a place when they are appropriate. There is a time to be born and there is a time to die. There is a time of year when we plant crops and another time of year when we harvest them. There is a time when we can't help but cry and another time when we burst out laughing. There is a time for us to hold our tongue and be silent and another time when we need to speak up and be heard. And you know, true wisdom is found when we do the right thing at the right time. Like, it wouldn't be very smart if we planted tomatoes in the fall, right before the weather turned cold, right? And when we get pulled over for, a speeding, for speeding, and we know that we were speeding, that's not the time to complain to the policeman that the speed limit is too low in that stretch of highway anyway. And who here remembers that classic episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show where Chuckles the Clown dies unexpectedly and tragically because he's dressed like a peanut and a circus elephant tries to shell him. <laughs> and throughout that episode, all the other characters at the station are finding humor in, in Chuckles the Clown's strange passing, but not Mary, not Mary. But when the solemnity of the funeral finally arrives, it is then that Mary can't help but burst out laughing, much to her and everyone else's chagrin. I remember a few years ago at a district Christmas clergy party, there was a story that was being read about a little boy who lived a long time ago who was journeying through the cold winter night to find the Christ child. And to help him stay warm on his long journey, he carried a portable little fire with coals in a brazier. The only trouble was the person who was reading that story kept pronouncing the word as brazier. <laughs> I mean, over and over again, he kept pronouncing, when he should have said brazier, he said brazier. And the first time I thought it, I heard it, I thought, surely he did not just say the word brazier. And I smiled to myself. But then he said it again. <laughs> and again. 
And I couldn't believe how many times this word showed up in this story. And I found that it was taking every bit of my self-control that I could possibly imagine, uh, muster, and every fiber of my being not to just burst out laughing. And I remember I was sitting next to Mark Rowland, and I thought to myself, if I even look at him, I am going to lose it. And so I just kept staring at my shoes <laughs> the entire time. And thankfully, that time I held it together. There is a time to laugh, and there's a time to cry, and there's a time and a season for everything under heaven. Even though the seasons change and the cycles of the earth circle on, God does not change. His character and his attributes are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His mercy, his faithfulness, his steadfast love, his justice, his righteousness never change. From this passage from Ecclesiastes, we also see that the work God has given us to do in this life is a gift from God. However, whether or not we find satisfaction in our work, is going to depend on the way we view our work. Do we just see it as something that we have to do in order to earn a paycheck? Or do we find a part of our life's purpose in our work? Remember Colossians 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. You see, this shift in our attitude toward our life's work will enable us to find a sense of purpose in the work that God has given us to do in this life. And at the same time that Solomon tells us that while it is possible and that we absolutely should seek enjoyment in this life through eating and drinking and finding satisfaction in our work, by enjoying the beauty of the world around us and the joy of human relationships, he also says that they will never completely satisfy us. For God has also set eternity in our hearts. You see, we are made in the image of God, and we are made to have a deep, personal relationship with God our Creator. And while this world is full of beauty and goodness, it is not ultimately our home. God has built into each one of us a deep-seated feeling that there has to be more than just this life. You see, we have this longing, a, a yearning for the perfect world which God will restore at the return of Christ Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And as followers of Jesus, it is this ultimate kingdom that we long for and that we work for in this in-between time. Jesus also said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so what seems like a season of hardship and confusion or restlessness could be preparing us for what God is just waiting to do next. For you see, change provides an opportunity for growth. Now, I have to be honest with you, I'm not a person who loves change. 
Change kind of makes me nervous. I get a little anxious over change. I mean, I can do it, but it's stressful. For me, though, change has often come in pretty big doses all at once. I remember going off for my freshman year of college. It was the first time in my life when I faced a lot of change all at once. You see, I hadn't moved at all as a child growing up. And so when I left Finneytown for Bloomington, Indiana, it was the first time I'd ever lived anywhere else. And I also chose a school where I didn't know hardly anyone else. I mean, there were a couple of other kids from my high school that were also going to IU, but I didn't know them well. They weren't my best friends, and they, we were scattered all over a very big campus, so I was never going to see them, really. I remember being excited and scared all at the same time. I remember feeling nervous about having to make all new friends. But I also remember that I grew a whole lot during those years. I made a lot of new friends in my dorm that first year, and I made new friends on the cross-country team, and I learned my way around that big campus, and I became way more independent than I had ever been before. You see, God used that time of change and those experiences to, to stretch me, to grow me, to help me improve. Many years later in my life, when I was a year or so into my seminary training, I was really wrestling with the part of my call to itinerant ministry. That means moving around from place to place at the discretion of the bishop. And remember, I hadn't moved around growing up at all, so that wasn't in my life experience. And in the life of my wife and kids, we had put down some roots into the community in which we had lived for 15 years. And now God was calling me to uproot and to move. That made me nervous. I remember having a conversation with a district superintendent from the Toledo district who had come down to United Seminary, and he asked me how things were going in my seminary training. I said it was going well, that I really liked what I was learning in the classroom, that I liked what I was experiencing as a student pastor. And then he asked me if there was anything I was struggling with and I told him it was the moving part. <laughs> and I'll never forget the words he said to me. He said, don't be so anxious about it that you miss the blessing God wants to give you through it. <laughs> I have to tell you, it didn't make very much sense to me at the time that he said it to me 20 or more years ago. But it does now. I mean, I can't imagine not having the blessing of knowing each of you. I can't imagine not having the blessing of serving among you, the people of Anderson Hills, or the people at John Wesley United Methodist when I was there, or at Xenia Faith Community. For you see, on the other side of all the change is growth and the opportunity for something new and exciting. You see, God is with us in our highs and in our lows. He is with us in the ups and in the downs. And through it all, God stretches us, and he helps us grow in our capacity and in our strength and in our faith and in our ability. Romans 
chapter 5, verses 3 to 5 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul is telling us that we will experience difficulties and hardships in the changes of our lives, but that God will use them to help us grow. God uses life's difficulties which help us to learn to persevere, which in turn builds our character. And all of this builds our trust in God, which gives us great hope for our future. You see, on the other side of all the changes in life is growth and the chance for something new and exciting. In fact, God tells us to forget about the past. Don't even dwell on it because God is up to something new. Isaiah says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. My friend, no matter what has gone on in your past, and even if right now you're going through some stuff that makes you feel like you're walking in the wilderness, God is making a way through it for you. So we can trust God. We don't have to fear change. Now I get it. It doesn't always feel that way. And it may not be the best thing to say to someone who is feeling overwhelmed by the changes that they are going through right now. I mean, remember, there's a time to talk and there's a time to refrain from talking. But it is true. We can trust God. As Christians, we don't have to fear change. Change is how God made the world, and while change forces us into the unknown, change isn't something that we have to fear. Even though everything in the world changes, there's one thing that never changes, and that one thing is God and God's faithfulness. Seasons change, but God does not change. I remember when my sister died 16 years ago on June 16, 2005. It was a hard time. And in some ways for me, that summer of 2005 just kind of stood still. And I felt like I was frozen in time. It was hard for me to move forward. I felt stuck. And I also remember that several months later, I think I was out taking a walk, and I noticed some of the very first signs of fall, you know, the first hint of color in the leaves, that the air was warm but not hot, that the sun was a little lower in the sky for that time of day than it had been earlier in the summer. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, the world is moving on. 
it just keeps spinning. Things keep changing. There's no way to stand still and keep it from happening. Everything changes, but God does not change. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 102 reminds us that everything on earth will wear out and perish eventually, but God will endure forever. And Jesus makes a promise to us that he will be with us always, even till the end of the age. The Bible is filled with promises like these of God's enduring love and faithfulness. I stumbled across a song this past week by a worship band that Eric Wilson uses some of their music sometimes over um, in the fellowship hall side of worship. And I was listening to this group on YouTube, um, a song by them, and then one that was new to me that I hadn't heard before was a suggested thing to listen to, and so I listened. And I haven't been able to stop listening to it since. I put it on repeat. It's a song called You Hold It All Together by Maverick City Music. The words go, on mountains high, you stay the same. In valleys low, you never change. And I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord. I'm confident as seasons change, your faithfulness remains. My friends, spending time with God, whether it's in God's word, reading and meditating on and memorizing scriptures that tell us of God's faithfulness, or even listening to music like I was doing this past week, these kinds of daily practices allow us to grab on and take hold of God's promises and, and apply them in our life. It helps us in our times of uncertainty to trust God and God's promises. They remind us of the promises God has made and God has kept in the past, and they give us the ability to trust that God will keep his promises in the present and in the future. When you are going through life changes, when your future looks uncertain, bring it to the Lord. Even if you don't know what to pray, trust that the Lord knows exactly what you need. Because God gives us that amazing promise in Romans 8, 26 to 28, that says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. My friends, we can use times of uncertainty and change in our lives to trust God. God will not abandon us. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. All things. Now that doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is going to be good. But it does mean that everything that does happen to you, 
God will use for your good. Our God is a God who gives us comfort in our pain, brings hope in our sorrow, gives us beauty for ashes, and who brings resurrection out of death. There isn't one thing that is happening in your life right now or that might happen to you in your future that God cannot use to bring about something beautiful. So learn to embrace change. Because who knows? There might be a beautiful season right around the corner. Will you pray with me? Dear God, thank you that in a world that is constantly changing, you never change. You stay the same. Thank you that no matter what we face in this life, even what we're facing right now, you are working for our good. In this coming week, O oh God, remind us of the times in our past that you have been faithful to keep your promises and how your steadfast love has endured and kept us through all things. Remind us of the times when you have worked for our good, even when it wasn't apparent at first. And then help us to trust you even more, that you will work all things together for our good in the future. Lord, we give our lives to you in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen.